Hi, and welcome to Focus on Women Season 6. We have had such amazing support this past year and are super excited to share some new things with all of you. For one, we now have an advisory board. So please go to focusonwomen.org and check out our new About page. We will also be posting some great interviews of the board members, and those should be on our Instagram hopefully by this fall. So thanks for all your support, and please remember to subscribe to iTunes or Spotify and leave us a review for the podcast as well. Next up, we are running another call for photographers and illustrators who are interested in partaking in the Artist Collective Initiative. If you have any great images showing women or depicting the empowerment of women that we could license from you, we're interested. And we will then make those available on tote bags, t-shirts, stickers, art prints, and more. 25% of the proceeds will go towards the cost of producing our fabulous podcast, and the remaining will go into your pocket. So please reach out and let us know. Thanks for tuning in. This episode's sponsor is the fabulous Amy V. Cooper. Amy is a photography consultant and personal coach with more than 20 years of experience in the photo industry. She has worked as a photo rep, an art buyer in the advertising industry, and as a photo editor for entertainment and editorial brands. Amy offers one-on-one coaching, consulting, portfolio reviews, and is offering Focus on Women listeners 25% off her highly rated commercial photography marketing masterclass in July. Just use this code, Focus on Women, in all caps. And you can find out more information at amyvcooper.com or follow Amy on Instagram at amyvcooper. Hi, today's guest is Lucy Schaefer. She is a New York-based photographer specializing in food, lifestyle, kids, and interiors. Her images are bright, fun, full of life, and inviting. Her background story will be really fun to hear as it includes everything from teaching art in Italy to being a photo editor at Food and Wine magazine. And somewhere in between all of that, I really hope to hear the story of how she had a line in a movie starring Gina Davis and Madonna. We're also going to talk about Lucy's new book, School Lunch Stories, which sounds so exciting and features a lot of famous chefs, including Padma Lakshmi, Murad Lalu, and Daniela Perez, just to name a few. And it goes back and talks about those yummy school lunches that we all endured, whether they be the packed lunch that your parents sent with you or what you ate at the school cafeteria. All super fun, beautiful imagery and comes out this August of 2021. So welcome, Lucy. Thank you. Thanks so much. I'm excited to be here. And Shelly's here with us on her ride back from LA. So welcome to Shelly, our producer. And we'll dive in. I guess um, what we want to hear about you is where you got started. Are you from New York originally? Did you study photography? Like, take us way back to the you know, high school. Sure. Yeah, sure. <laughs> okay. Um, well, it's interesting way, way back. I think when I was little and you're a kid and someone's like, what do you want to be when you grow up? I always used to say, I want to be a national geographic photographer. Cause I thought that was so cool, but I definitely didn't hold on to that even into high school. That was like my little kid answer. Um, but I think once I got a little older, I thought, well, that's not a realistic thing. Like people don't really become that. That's like, <laughs> isn't that a funny, like, that's like wanting to be a bunny rabbit when you grow up, you know, <laughs> I'll, I'll let go of that. 
Um, but, you know, I, I was uh, always interested in art and um, I went to Yale for undergraduate and was a painting and printmaking major there and wow. um, took one photo class and <laughs> I loved it. And it just, it still didn't occur to me like this would be a career path necessarily. Um, but I did enjoy it very much. I think the the thing for me in Yale, um, I definitely loved my time there, but it was not a pre-professional school in any way, shape or form. And it's, you know, it's very much fine art with a, you know, capital F, capital A. And that's, that's not me. I'm not, I don't really think of myself as a fine artist. I really found my home in commercial photography and, and just love it there. And I think because the class was a fine art photography class, while I enjoyed it and I did well and I I loved it, it wasn't something that I thought, oh, well, and now I'll just do this for my life. Um, right. So yes, as you touched on in my intro, my first job out of college was an art teacher in Italy, which was super fun. Awesome. Um, I actually had signed up and accepted a job to be an art teacher in Kazakhstan. Wow. <laughs> Everybody thought I was crazy. And then that job weirdly fell through. And, uh, you know, I had gone on through this job fair for international teaching. And I think the, the guy felt so bad that it fell through that he quickly found me this other one in Genoa, Italy. And I think in the end, it was like a way better situation. Way better. Way better. Yeah. So that worked out. Um, wow. And then I came back and I was like, okay, now what? Um, I guess I'll move to New York and find a job. And um I wanted to work in magazines because I thought that would be fun. Um, I've always liked, you know, word and picture combined. I did, even when I was at Yale, I tried to actually invent a major. I think I called it pictures and words or something like that. I was basically trying to make an English major and an art major and combine it. And they talked me out of that. And I just went with the art major. <laughs> um, but, but I thought, you know, path in magazines could be fun. At the time, I also was like, well, how do I take my fine art background and get a job with that? And was thinking maybe graphic design is the thing to do, or maybe illustration. So I actually, I illustrated a children's book. I was doing like little spot illustrations for magazines. Um, and I took some graphic design classes. And to be honest, it really didn't click. It was really not, I mean, I'm grateful for actually the skills that I learned because I use design a lot in terms of putting together treatments or promo cards. And I can use InDesign and other design programs because of those courses that I took at that time. But it was never, it never was that fun to me. Uh, it just felt a little bit like work. Um, and so, yeah, I was I started at Town and Country Magazine as an art assistant. And then um, I feel like where my career really started to click was the next job after that, which was at Food and Wine Magazine. And that was um, sort of a job posting came up that I wasn't quite qualified for as a um, associate photo editor. And I, I really latched on to like, oh, that would be super cool. And really worked hard to prove myself in the interview process. And they had me do all these tests and put together stuff. And, and I think in the process, I really convinced myself that like, oh yeah, this, this is really cool. I do want to do this. <laughs> um, and I met at Food and Wine. I was there for five years and I met some just great mentors, Frederica Stagiarne, who was the director of the department at the time. The two of us worked together directly for five years and we were just like such a team. And I learned so much from her about just vision and making a mood board and 
what photographer you hire for what job, what stylist you hire for what job, um, production skills, like so much about the business I learned from that job. Um, and I think it really helped me as later as a photographer to know the ins and outs of the client side and what they have to deal with in the office and what the, you know, the reason you don't get a call back might not be because they didn't like your work. You know, it, there's so many other things. Um, so that was really good for me. And it was my form of assisting because I never assisted, but I went on tons of shoots with the top photographers in the business. And I got to say, oh, what camera are you using? Like, why are you using that camera? And ah, oh, that's the lighting. Okay. And, and I would just ask questions because I was curious and, and um, found some other mentors that way as well. And about halfway through those five years at Food and Wine, I started morphing the position into a shooting position. Cause I, I remember the moment I set, I sent a photographer on a pie road trip and I was like, a pie road trip? Like, why am I not going on a pie road trip? Why am I sending someone else on a right. pie road trip? And I'm doing all the production. I'm calling all the places. I'm setting it all up. And I, then the photos come back and I do all the editing. Why am I not doing the fun part of this experience? Um, so that's when I sort of started, again, uh, taking kind of some continuing education classes to get some of the technical stuff, like lighting skills that I had never been taught. Um, and just started to shoot little stuff for the magazine here and there. Like, oh, let's say I want part of my job was to get a photo for a chef and they didn't have a great picture and they were in New York. I would say, hey, on my lunch break, how about I go down to this restaurant and take a picture of the chef? And, you know, the magazine said, sure, that we do, we're already paying you a salary and we can get a better picture. <laughs> right. so it was kind of win-win for everyone. And in the beginning, I kept having to like negotiate and push it. But by the end of being there, the editor-in-chief was like, oh, and we'll send Lucy on this cruise and she'll take these pictures. So so it really worked out. And, and by the end, I was almost half and half photographer, photo editor there. And I was also building my portfolio. And at a certain point though, my husband said to me, he said, you have to just stop shooting. It's too much. Like you're just every vacation day you're shooting every weekend you're shooting. And I was like, you're right, but I'm going to stop photo editing. <laughs> so, right. you know, and he was supportive of that, but it was, it was right. Like I couldn't keep doing both because I was moonlighting more and more and had clients outside of work and was getting some cookbooks. And I just, it was, you can't do two jobs that are that when the photography really started taking off um i did uh sort of take a plunge and leave the the security of the um office job but it was time and i uh, haven't regretted it it was, it was so i have a few questions about food and wine just because i think people yeah. would be interested you know, that's such a huge publication. So it's like everyone's dream to be in food and wine. Um, do they typically, do they have um, staff photographers currently who shoot for them? So it's changed so much. I wouldn't, I wouldn't pretend to know, you know, there's for a while it stayed the same. Like I left and the same people were still there for years and years, but I left in, oh, this was 2007 okay. that I left. So I can't really tell you what it's like there now. I do know that after I left, they really were looking to fill my shoes with someone who could shoot. 
and that had never been part of any of the photo department's jobs. And then that sort of, and eventually Frederica started shooting um, and right. she hadn't been doing that when I was there and she hadn't really had the interest in that. She's an amazing photographer, super talented. I think she just wasn't, want, didn't have the desire to do that. Mm -hmm. um, but I think because then I started doing it and then I left, uh, there was, she didn't do it right away, but I think, you know, a year or two after she did start shooting more and more. And um, so I'm not sure currently what the situation right. is, but. But yeah. what a great place to really sink your teeth into and learn the different types, like you said, totally. like production and, you know, even how to, what people look for when they're hiring a photographer, like having that knowledge as yeah. a photographer is really invaluable. Totally. And it was really invaluable for me if I saw, you know, to really be scouting for talent because it was a big push. We had to keep hiring new photographers. We couldn't just hire the ones that we liked working. So it's a balance of, you know, using the people that are tried and true. But there was a real push from the magazine of like discovering new talent and getting new, you know. And so I think the process of um, for me, just being aware of how other people were shooting and what other people were shooting. And if I found someone that I thought was super cool to be able to call that person up and say, hey, do you want to do this shoot and have them take my call because I'm a photo editor at Food and Wine? And then I can talk to them and get to know them. And so it, it's an amazing, um, uh, I wouldn't call it a, I guess it is a path, but it's it wasn't um, planned that way. But for me, right. it really did. Um, work out. And I think also before food and wine, I don't think the idea of taking pictures of food as a subject had really occurred to me. And I found that it was such a good fit for me. I do love food. I love cooking. Um, I love eating. <laughs> um, but uh, I think, again, it just hadn't, I hadn't thought of it. And I think being around all these people who had just been thinking about it so much. And, you know, the creative director there, the editor in chief there, the food editors, everyone was just so passionate and good at what they did. And I learned so much from them um, just about, you know, what, what makes a good photograph of food and why. And, and then once that's been set up, like, okay, well, let's not do the same thing. How can we keep it fresh? How can mm -hmm. we take another picture of a pumpkin pie and not have it be the same picture we put in last year's November issue? Right, right. Yeah. So, okay, so after food and wine, then the path was food photography mostly, or talk about that um, part, how you spread a, out. Yeah, it was a mix. I think right away, I jumped into doing a lot of cookbook shooting because um, I got a couple of cookbook jobs right away. And then a lot of those became repeat editors would sign me up for another one. Um, I was still shooting for food and wine. I, I was shooting sometimes directly for restaurants. Um, yeah. And then I, I did start doing more lifestyle as well. So getting more people in there and getting, um, I started doing, I'm trying to think what I started doing first. I started adding the kids in the interiors as well. I mean, to me, I, there's so many subjects I love shooting. I, you know, you really need to have your focuses um, when you're a commercial photographer. So I don't go crazy. I don't try to put product photography and lipsticks and stuff, fashion. I stay away from, uh, but, but other than that, I kind of do shoot it all. And I don't see it as being that different. Like it's sort of the same way I shoot, 
uh, a beautiful tablescape is going to have is going to that same sensibility I'm going to bring to um, an Easter party with kids, you know, and to me, it's the vision is still the same, even though I think some photographers do have a much more narrow focus where they only shoot, you know, still life food. Um, I'm a little more broad than that, I guess. Yeah, uh, but I loved that about uh, your portfolio and um, people should definitely check out her work because what I think it's a great example of someone who's doing multiple um, areas, different areas, interiors, kids, totally two different, very different right. genres, but you can tell it's you all the way across. Thank you. And I think that's a, um, a hard lesson for some people and not an easy thing to do you know it's a skill um and but I think like you said you know that if I shoot a kid this way you know and a plate of food that way it's still going to have my touch on it so yeah that's important I agree I mean I think a lot of it is about sort of the lifestyle and the feel I like you know I kind of hate the word authentic because it gets put in every brief these days but but okay, whatever better word authentic we could, we could find, but, you know, kind of the good life, kind of like, uh, you know, I, it's just sort of a, you want to, I want to take a picture that people want to be in that picture, whether it's sitting down and eating that plate of food, or it's like cuddling up on the couch, or it's whatever's happening, you kind of, it makes you maybe smile a little bit and you want to be there. Um, and same with sort of my lighting is usually pretty open and bright. Um, yeah. So talk a little bit more about how that evolved and what did you do to market yourself? You know, in the food industry, you obviously had your great connections, but on the other stuff, how did that look for you? And what were some of the things that you used as marketing sure. tools? Do you mean it sort of at the beginning of my career? Yeah. Um, well, I am big on trades and I'm big on just asking and see what people will say. So for example, every, and this is before kids, this, it's harder to do these days, but before I had kids, my husband and I traveled quite a bit. And uh, I remember the best example of this is probably a trip we took uh, to, we were in Asia for about a month and we were in Thailand, we were in Vietnam, Cambodia, just a lot of amazing places. And before we went, I reached out to a bunch of different PR agencies of sort of luxury hotels. And I said, do you have any new properties that you need photography for. I'll do a trade. And um, oh, I, we stayed at this amazing place called the Rayavadi in Thailand that was like this little, we got our own little bungalow and um, and we stayed there for free. It was like thousands of dollars and we stayed there for free <laughs> and they got free photos. I took pictures of their spa. I took pictures of, you know, so I, something like that, that's win-win for everybody. And then I got travel shots for my portfolio. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm a big, I did a lot of that when I was starting out, a lot of this trading idea. Um, I also, before I left for that trip, emailed every photo editor I could think of to say, hey, I'm going to be in Thailand. Need any pictures in Thailand? And for example, we were, when we were staying at the Raya the deal with the Raya was work for two days and stay for three days for free and afterwards but the problem was then on our, we were on our free time and I got a call from departures magazine 
or an email or somehow they contacted me and said, oh, are you still in Thailand? Like we have this other fancy resort. So we actually had to cut short our free time <laughs> and go to this other fancy resort, which was, we had our own infinity pool that you'd step out of. And, you know, <laughs> oh my God. Um, it was, it was a funny trip because then we would also, we were staying in places that were like $3 a night and we had to hang our own mosquito net. So it was right. like, well, who stays like this? But, um, so yeah. And the departures, obviously that was an assignment and I got paid for it, but they didn't have to fly a photographer there or, you know, try to parse through local talent. Um, so definitely I did a lot of that when I was starting out, kind of going someplace and telling people I was going to be there or reaching out to a chef or a restaurant asking what they needed. And if they, I think with that, I didn't necessarily do it as a trade, but sometimes it would be, you know, I would have to get something out of it. Maybe I would do it for a pretty low rate, but because I wanted the shots in my portfolio, that kind of a thing. Um, and I still do that. I've taken up pottery as a hobby and I was working at Brooklyn Clay and I did a trade with them. I said, oh, can I get some uh, firing time or free class and I'll take some pictures of you. So, you nice. know, why not? Why not uh, trade with the skills you have? Nice. Smart, smart. Yeah. And then as your business grew, um, let's talk about that, like where you are now and are you still doing a lot of editorial work? Do you do advertising? You know, what's that market like? Yeah, sure. Um, also I wanted to mention along the way I did sign with an agent, um, Ashley Klinger, and she's been my agent. Uh, she's the only agent I've ever had. And I, oh gosh, it's a lot of, she's probably been my agent since 2009 or 2010. Wow. So I went a couple years without one after I left food and wine. And then, and so she's definitely helped me along the way as well in terms of promoting and getting work. But um, yeah, where I am now, I feel like editorial has changed so much uh, since I first started being a photographer where I was primarily shooting editorial. Now just so many places have folded or budgets have shrank or people have brought in staff photographers that I actually, I do still have some editorial clients, but it, I wouldn't call it the majority of my work anymore. Um, I do more advertising for sure. And that can be anywhere from like a, you know, a big Chipotle or Starbucks kind of brand name advertising down to more of a startup company, but it's still all about the brand. You know, it's not editorial, excuse me, still not editorial work. Right. Right. Um, let's talk about your agent a little bit, since people are always very interested in how do you find an agent and how do I get, you know, and when do I know that I need an agent? Can yeah. Talk about that process for you. Yeah. For me, I knew that I wanted to go two years without an agent because I just wanted to see what I could do on my own so that I would have a point of comparison. Because I felt like if I just went straight to an agent, first of all, I didn't think the level of the caliber of agent I wanted to go with would take me when I was just starting out. I wanted to be able to show, okay, here's the work I can do and that I knew I could do, but didn't have proof of yet. <laughs> so I, I definitely wanted to build my book more. And then, yeah, just financially, I wanted to see here's the number on the page for that year. And here's the number on the page for that second year. Okay. Now here's a baseline. Now, if I sign with an agent, does that number go up um, or does you know, the, the agent commission of 25% on everything, I mean, my annual take home goes down, which would be less than ideal. <laughs> um, so 
yeah, that's that was sort of why I waited a couple of years. And then when it was time, I already knew a lot of agents in the business from my days as a photo editor. Sure. So um, and I was I, I was influenced again by Frederica Sajani from Food and Wine. I just remember her saying like, oh, Judith Miller is the best agent best agent. And she just had been working with agents for so long. So I actually reached out to Ashley, not knowing that Judith had just sold the business to Ashley. I thought I was reaching oh, out to Judith, right? Um, but it was sort of at the point when Ashley was buying that business and, and Judith was her mentor and she was kind of taking it over. So in the end, I was always just with Ashley, but um, went to her because of the reputation of Judy. Um, and I met with a handful of agents and I kind of, I had a list probably of 15 and then I narrowed that down. And then from that reached out to everyone and not everyone necessarily wanted to meet with me. And then in the end, um, you know, had, had a problem, not a ton of meetings, probably like five or six meetings. And, and then in the end was sort of really considering three um, but Ashley was my first choice and she was excited for me as well. So it felt like a little, it's like a dating game. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I say that all the time. It's like dating and it's like a lot, it's kind of a long, pro or I don't know, for, for me, it's always like kind of a long process. You know, you really have to, yeah, you have to learn to trust that person. You have to learn their idiosyncrasies totally. and it's very personal. Yeah, it really is. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to give a shout out today to my good friend and colleague, Betsy Davison, and her company, Space for Arts. Space for Arts is a global B2B marketplace for professional production spaces, i.e. studios. Its platform presents a vetted inventory of professional production spaces with robust search tools, optimized for the needs of production professionals, supported by communication alerts, which assist in the rapid decision cycles of production. Space for Arts offers a management solution which mirrors entrenched practices, simplifies and automates them, thus providing a powerful time-saving resource to both studio owners and production professionals. By addressing the significant pain points for both sides of the market, Space for Arts will capture a high percentage of available bookings, becoming the industry's default resource for booking and managing production spaces. Think of it as an open table meets Airbnb meets CRM software. It's the perfect solution for professional production space integration. And then, and with Ashley, how did your business grow? Do, did you see a big growth right away? Did it take a while? Um, it definitely took a while, I'd say. And I, I don't know. It's so intangible. All of these things that you do for promotions, you don't really know what's working. Um, I just know that I have been happy with Ashley and that I have been happy with our, our journey, you know, and my, I feel like I've grown and she's grown with me. You know, it hasn't been, she's never pushed me in a direction. I don't want to go. Um, you know, I'm not going to lie. The, the small budget jobs where her, I do feel the sting of her commission when it's, I'm doing a lot of work and maybe she wasn't that involved. Maybe I really did kind of, the client came directly to me. I did all the production I did. And she, you know, she's still getting her commission, but you really have to think holistically because pretty much every single job that Ashley and I talk about, it's a repeat conversation of her saying, I think we should put your rate, your rate here. And me going, oh, it sounds a little expensive. Are you sure? She's like, 
mm, I really think so. I'm like, and I'm like half the price, you know, how about here? So, <laughs> and I have to just be like, okay, you do it, you know, but just tell them we can negotiate, you know, and, <laughs> and she usually gets it or she gets close to it, or she definitely gets more than I would get. Um, so, you know, if you think of her percentage holistically, she's earning it, you know, she's definitely right. getting me more overall because she's not afraid to ask for it. And she also, you know, she also has relationships with ad agencies who come to her and, and then she'll put me forward. Or sometimes someone may even come to her for another photographer on her roster who's booked and she'll suggest me instead. Um, so there's definitely, you know, it's a give and a take and you have to look at it sort of big picture rather than penny by penny. Right. I think that's good advice. Yeah. Yeah. Because it is right. It, we could go into the whole thing about it, but we don't have to, but yeah. <laughs> it is, a, it is a tricky balance, but I think if you have the right agent, like you're saying, you don't, the sting isn't as hard because you know, the overall picture, what that looks like. Yeah. And feels like. Yeah. And there's tons that Ashley does for me that is not necessarily quote unquote paid work. You know, I might, she might just check in and see like, how are you doing this week? And I'll say, Oh my God. And I'll, I'll talk about six jobs and she's listening, you know, and she's giving me feedback and advice and she's, and so like having a relationship like that is hard to put a number on either because it's, it's sure. a very lonely business. It's especially, you know, there's been points when I've had a steady assistant who, who feels like a colleague, but there's also points and I'm in kind of a point now where I just have a bunch of different assistants and I'm kind of bouncing here and there. And, and Ashley's really a constant who I can, who's invested in my career literally, and who also has been with me and who knows my work and who knows how I like to work and, and a, feels like a partner in that way. So, and that's all stuff that's not, you know, she's not getting a commission for any of that. So right. really is a big picture thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so what else can you share now that, okay, now that you're repped and you've been repped for a while, um, what does the marketing look like with an agent? Are you still doing some of your own marketing? Oh yeah. Is it mostly word of mouth? I mean, obviously you're pretty established. So I'm guessing a lot of your stuff is word of mouth too, but. Yeah, I don't know. Yes. And no, I feel like I'm always on my to-do list is like some sort of marketing thing that I'm like, Oh, I got to do this. <laughs> um, but no, I'm always sending out, I try to send out sort of MailChimp blasts a few times a year. I want to say every two months, but it's probably every two and a half to three months, you know? <laughs> um, and then Ashley does that as well. Uh, I have sort of stopped just because of the pandemic doing cards because I just worry that they're just going to an empty office and it's an expense. Sure. Um, but before the pandemic, I was still doing cards as well uh, now and then, or also um, usually around some sort of special project. Often at the holidays, I'll do a more elaborate mailer printed piece. Um, sometimes that's part of like a gift type thing for the holidays. Um, I think all of that, when I was a photo editor and it was around the holidays, I would get so much stuff, but I also liked it. Like I also, <laughs> I have to say, you <laughs> like getting the little, oh, this photographer sent me a bottle of wine. That's nice. You know, and it's nice right. to be nice to people. It's nice to, you know, to have a little handwritten note that says, thanks for those cool assignments this year. And so I think because I was on the other side of getting that and I sort of knew how many people do that, I I do feel every year like I need to send out a little 
end of the year, or it could be a happy new year if I miss, if I miss the boat in December. Um, But yeah, I definitely do a multi-pronged approach. I also do direct emails to people every now and then like, oh, so-and-so haven't heard from you in a while. Just wanted to share this new work. Like how's your garden or whatever, you know, you just try to keep it personal. And um, I also am over the years have tried experimented with different, um, I was with Wonderful Machine for a little bit. I was, I'm currently on Found Artists. Um, so I've done other sort of, um, I think Boulevard Artists for a while. I didn't join their roster, but I did some of their portfolio events. I've done other portfolio events. So I feel like, you know, who cares what my client list is? Like, I can't just sit here and wait for the work to just keep rolling in because unfortunately it doesn't work that way. Right. I wish it did. I wish that I could be like, I'm established now. Jobs will just come. But I still have the same like low level feeling of um, anxiety over getting work that I did when I was starting out. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a, it's abated a bit because it's like, okay, this is a slow week, but it's probably going to pass. But um, I definitely feel like I still have to be on my toes and not completely complacent or you become forgotten or you become like, oh, is she even still shooting? I don't know. Like, so. Right, right. You got to stay <laughs> I used to work with her. I don't know. Maybe she's not shooting anymore. I haven't heard from her. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. I think it's important to be consistent for sure. I think everyone's learned that. And what... Um, what can you share with us about COVID? Like, did that affect you in a, in any, did you see your business go down like the rest of us? Did you have some major client, regular clients that kind of kept you busy and what from those experiences are taking you into the next year? Yeah, it was such a strange year, um, and a scary year and a hard year for, for everyone, I'm sure. Um, for me, it was, especially tough because right at the beginning of the pandemic, you know, I was in the middle of a cookbook shoot when the world closed down April 13th. And we had like $600 of meat in the freezer and all my gear and we just abandoned it. And we were like, now what do we do? So that was, that was stressful. Um, And I, because of that decided uh, because we had recently moved um, to a house and for years we were in a small apartment in Brooklyn, but with having a house, I was like, okay, I have a little space. I can shoot here. I can set something up in my office. Um, so I, st- I can, as I went, I was a painting major. I can make some surfaces, you know? So I went to a hardware store. I got a whole bunch of plywood. I got a whole bunch of paint. I made all these surfaces. I just was like, really, it was almost like back to those old days before I was established. And I was really like, I gotta do this. I gotta figure this out. And um, I started pitching myself to all of my regular clients of like, oh, because I knew they were stuck too. They needed content. They needed, right. and they couldn't do any shooting. So I was like, I, I'm setting up a home studio and I've, I can shoot it. I can do the prop styling. I can do the food styling. I'll make it. I'll shoot it. Da, da, da. You know, this, this is great. We'll do this. And I had a few samples of such things and I sent it. And then what happened was people started kind of calling my bluff and they're like, yes, great. And the Wall Street Journal, like they sent me an assignment and I was picturing when I said, like, I can cook it, I was picturing stew, you know, right. or, or like um, something to do with your pantry essentials, you know. And the first thing they sent me was it was a stovetop smoker, recipes for a stovetop smoker. And they were like, and we'll send you the smoker. And it was the most chefy, elaborate recipes I've seen in a long time. They were delicious, but it was, um, you know, I was, when everybody was, 
panicking about groceries. I was calling grocery stores and asking if they had quail eggs. <laughs> and I, I, there would be like a pause on the end. Of, like, like, are you just asking if we have eggs? Because that's what everyone else is asking. Right. <laughs> and um, but no, I, I was quail eggs and fresh horseradish and uh, uh, stovetop smoking um, beets and carrots and chopping them into perfect dice. And, but I did it, you know. Wow. <laughs> and so that started to grow. I started to get more um, clients. I even did an advertising packaging job for a frozen fish uh, company. And again, I had to buy a deep fryer and I was calling food stylist friends like, ah, deep frying tricks. Am I going to be able to do this? And the whole house smelled like a fish fry. Um, but it worked. And then I, I started getting some regular clients that in the end started sending me, um, you know, six to 10 recipes every other week, almost that I would, wow. and I got a little bit of a routine and I would sort of also, cause my whole family was here. My kids were doing learning at home. My husband was like looking for work and doing writing work from home. And so we would sort of, I would plan our meals sometimes based on like, okay, today we're going to have like this fancy chocolate tart and also oven fries. And also <laughs> like, it didn't really go together necessarily, <laughs> but, but um, it was, it was, it was actually really fun. It was, um, I kind of love the opportunity to grow in another direction, to do this food styling thing. And I would never, I'm not a food stylist and I love working with food stylists and I have the utmost respect for their skills and their craft and their culinary training. Um, but luckily I think because, you know, I've shot over 50 cookbooks and I'm there right with the food stylist and I'm, I've probably learned, you know, a lot of them were how to's and it was like how to cut a chicken how to do so like if I, if some of it didn't sink in at some point then, right. then I don't know like I was just doomed but and you know I and I I like to cook and I cook a lot so I think a lot of that had sort of rubbed off and I was able to um kind of rise up to that new challenge um and the same with the props you know I sort of knew what I wanted and I um I actually luckily stumbled across this woman who was a photographer who was renting her studio for um, a shoot. I ended up sort of in the summer when shoots came back a bit. I rented the studio in Westchester and it was from this woman who was a food photographer who was about to retire. And she had this whole collection of props. So I bought a lot of stuff from her collection nice. as well as um, you know, friends with Martha Burnaby who owns Prop House and she was getting rid of some things. So I bought stuff from her. Um, I bought stuff just from Brayton Barrel and West Elm, you know, and I, I got a little bit of a prop collection going so that now I'm pretty set and able to do these um, shoots from home. And are you still doing that? A lot less, a lot less. Okay. Um, but yes, but yes, I am still doing it. Um, and it's nice to have that option. Even with some clients, I'm planning a shoot for August that's going to be part, you know, big production location job with models and a stylist and then part sort of follow-up studio shooting and to fit in their budget, I'm kind of doing it in my, what I, I call it my home studio, but it's really just my house. <laughs> it's not really, it's not really a my whole house. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's just a house. I stick sawhorses down and I have some C stands, but um, right. yeah. So, so and it has been nice. I'm curious to know if um, how that, 
how you go from, I mean, I think it's great that you were scrappy and you like figured it out. I think a lot of people did that because we all had so much time on our hands. Yeah. And if you wanted to be working or needed to be working, you really had to come up with some ways to make that happen. Right. Exactly. Um, But now that we're going back and things are starting to open up, hopefully they'll stay opened up. But as that happens, um, are you finding clients liked it maybe and and are kind of more willing to sort of be like oh yeah let's just do it at your place and zoom me in and I don't need to be there which is great or is there a challenge maybe too of oh we loved that you did everything we don't want to have a food stylist anymore has that come up at all um that hasn't come up in fact it's almost the opposite my most regular client has sort of home studio client rather has sort of petered off and it's because it was more expensive for them to be hiring all these people to do these home studio shoots and paying them per recipe at as a much much slower you know I can do three a day on my own when I'm doing everything sure three recipes that is and I am much faster with a team obviously so I think for them they're asking me now oh are you open to coming into our test kitchen and doing a shoot there and kind of like back to the old ways um, <laughs> because I, so I'm seeing more of that. And, and okay. I also think, I don't think anybody, any established, you know, advertising or editorial company or brand is looking to get rid of food stylists. I do think it was a, a stop gap. Um, that said, the brands that are small and don't understand what a food stylist even is, are very happy to have me just do it, especially if it's, let's say the product is not the food. Let's say it's, um, you know, it's really about the bowl or the mug sure. and they just right. want something in it to look pretty. Then they're happy for me to just do that. Sure. Um, yeah. 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 Okay. Um, so let's anything you can talk about now or in your future that you could share with people, you know, about, um, either what you've learned along the way or tips that you could share that you wish someone had told you before you became a commercial photographer? Hmm. I don't know. <laughs> um, I'm not sure. I mean, I think in the beginning, it's a lot about saying yes to everything. And then as you go, it's about learning when to say no. <laughs> um, because in the beginning, just getting, you know, you're going to get something out of every job, even if it's just practice using your lights, because every situation, if you're on location is different in that regard. Um, And just working with clients and the back and forth and all of that. But then once you get going, you know, and this is where I think having an agent can help you as well, is to learn when to know what your bottom line is and not go below it in terms of what your worth is and what, you know, if a client's asking for too much, or they just, kind of don't get it and they there's some clients who don't even really know the difference between a good picture and a not good picture so they don't know what they're getting for and in that case it's not the client for you then let them just go with their cousin Tom who can also take pictures with his phone and that's fine (laughs) right Um, so I, I yeah I guess that would be a piece of advice and then I guess just trying to stay open to um people other people in the industry I think having friends who are photographers that you can talk to rather than feeling competitive with people that are in a similar vein to you, it can be really valuable um, because there's enough work to go around and 
And I think, um, I think having that support and the camaraderie with people is important. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I totally had another question. It really flew out of my brain, but it was something. Tracy, can I yeah. Ask so I, please. I would love for, uh, for you to talk a little bit about like learning how to do a treatment and how, what's your process for bidding? I mean, I know Ashley does a lot of it for you, but, um, I think that's a big part of being a commercial photographer, especially when going through like an ad agency, that there's these, all these kind of additional steps that you do when doing a bid that you may not do with like a smaller restaurant client. Um, and I would love to hear a little bit more about that process for you and how you think about putting those things together. Sure. Yeah. Um, I, I actually definitely helps me on the treatment process, but to be honest, she, in terms of the the visuals and the the um, designed piece that we end up sending, I really make that. Um, I think maybe it varies photographer to photographer, but I I'm I really do my own of those. That said, I do bounce it off of her, and she gives me feedback, and I'll rewrite something or swap out an image. Um, they they take me a long time to do. They you know I really sit down and. It's funny, I was talking to a food stylist friend who's now doing some art direction and directing, and she was showing me a treatment she had worked on. And I was like, oh, that's cool. You can really take any picture you want because obviously for my treatments, it's gotta be all my pictures. And I, so it's often just like trying to think like, you know, I, use, I dig through my archives. I have, um, I have a system with the Lightroom cloud thing where you, it's really good because you can search um, fries and it pulls up your own, all your own fries images. So I, that's really helpful when I started to learn that. So that if it's um, a fries client, then I can throw in all the shots I've ever done that fit the bill. Um, I also sometimes do shoot things specifically for a treatment if I have the time. And if I think I know exactly what they want and I can, in a half a day, get it and put it in there. Because um, I've found that the more literal you can be with your treatment and the more exactly the shot they are going to hire you to do that you can put right in the treatment, um, the better the client's going to like it. I think there's so many people that are making those decisions. It's the agency, it's the client. You could be the agency favorite and the client isn't going to go with you necessarily, which has happened to me, you know? So you you're trying to please everyone. And some of those people on that list are not necessarily creative people. Some of those people are the brand people who are, well, I don't like, we want to make sure the brand is there and that, and, and maybe they're not going to take a leap of faith on you. So the more um, you can show in that treatment and talk about, explain who you are and talk about your process, talk about your lighting. I've even started putting my team into the treatment say, well, here's this amazing, because I've, I've developed so many really great relationships and that's kind of one of the strengths, um, one of my strengths at this point is the team that I can bring to the table. So I put them right into my treatment. I say, this is the superstar stylist I'm thinking, thinking for this. This is the producer who will make everything be smooth. This is, you know, um, I don't go into casting or location necessarily, but I, I might, in terms of specifics, but I might go into that with broad strokes as well. So sometimes they can get pretty long. Um, does that answer your question? Yeah, I think that's, I think that's good, Rachel. And I think um, I have two more questions about that. Do you have a template? 
I don't you have a template it every time. Oh, sorry. I uh, right. I do not have a template. I um, but I do. I work in InDesign and I save all the previous ones. So if a client comes to me, I'm like, oh, this is probably going to be something like this other one that I did two months ago. I'll open that one as a starting place and and just start picking apart and resave it. So I don't have a template per se, but I do, you know, start from an old one often. Okay. Um, and have you ever included motion or been yeah, asked to? Yeah, I do. Okay. I do because if the job is going to include motion, then I do include motion on the treatment. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Anything else, Shelley? No, that was fantastic. <laughs> um, I think I think treatments is like an ever evolving thing, and um, I have learned so much from sharing, like you mentioned, um, seeing someone else's treatment. You know, when people are willing to share their treatments, you kind of go, "Oh, well, that's really interesting that you do it this way." Or um, yeah. and just um, to your point of like camaraderie and kind of community over competition, I think that just speaks volumes to having that support and having people be transparent about what they're doing in the industry and how they're showing it. So. Um, I love that you shared that you're doing it in design and that you kind of just add things uh, based on what the client need is. Like, that's just even helpful for me. I'm a food lifestyle kids photographer as well. So just hearing you um, share that, like, makes me go, oh, okay, good. I, I'm doing something right, too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's right or wrong. It's the tools I know, you know. So I feel like you could do it in Google Slides and come up with just as good of a thing. It's just whatever tool um, mm -hmm. works, yeah. 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 I feel like treatments is really, it is a big thing in our, especially as you become more um, commercial and you really want those ad jobs. It is something. And the other thing is the creative call. Can yeah. You, right. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about the creative call and things you sure. might have learned from those? Sure. I mean, I, I don't always get a creative call. So I, we always try to get a creative call because I, I think sometimes people just want, they're doing a triple bid and they are just going to have a call with whoever it's awarded to, hmm. um, which is always, you know, but Ashley always does, always does try to get us on the phone um, before it's even awarded um, because it's nice to connect with people and to hear more about what they want so that then, especially if sometimes you can do that before the treatment and then you can sort of take their words that they said to you on the call and put them right into your treatment to show that you were paying attention and you got it. And, um, and you know, it's, a, it's in the end, it's a, such a personality-based business, meaning that you're, you're really um, working with this, per you're not sitting behind a desk and, and sharing files. You're going to be really collaborating together. And so to know more about who you're working with um, and show that you're a good communicator and that you sort of understand what they're saying and can relate to what they're saying and can turn that into visuals, I think is super important. So yeah. We, yeah, we do try to, to get those when we can. Yeah. And maybe can you share a little bit about, um, I think I started saying this about, um, moving forward and what do you do to keep ahead of the curve or to, to remain innovative in your work? Is that a struggle for you or is that something um, you're always is, trying? It is. I mean, I do sometimes feel like oh, I'm just old, like, you know, it's like a young person's world and I'm old. and maybe everybody uh, feels that who's been in the business for a while, but um, I do try to 
really do personal shoots. Um, and to, I hope we do have time to talk about my book. Oh yeah. Yeah. Please. Um, so yeah. Now's the time. That next, but, um, that, that started as a personal project and, um, I think it's just super important for so many reasons. And I also have been really making a push to increase my video, um, capabilities and my motion capabilities because because it's, it really is um, media is colliding. It's all one thing. Everybody wants everything on one shoot. And I need to be able to provide that um, and to be a good director for video as well as for, you know, stills, um, whether that's being behind the camera or working with the DP. Um, so that's definitely an area I'm actively growing in, working to grow in um, now. And I think in terms of you know, staying sharp, staying current, doing those personal projects or reaching out to a food stylist and saying, let's do a test. We're working with a, um, I reached out to a friend who's a DP. We actually did a test on Monday that we're going to finish tomorrow. And um, it's just super important to do those things. Um, I think it's important for your soul and it's important for your reel and your portfolio to show new work and to show your own vision. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about how that led to your book. Yeah. So um, School Lunch, I'm super excited. It's the book that's coming out in August. It was actually meant to come out last June, but with the pandemic, we didn't feel like a book about school lunch. The timing was not quite right when all schools were shut down. Um, but it started as a personal project. Um, I was sort of like, it was that time of year when it's about to be going back to school. And I was like, oh, I'm going to have to start packing lunches for my kids. Oh, my mom had it easy. She just made PB and J. Now we can't do peanuts anymore. And, and then I just, my mind started wandering. I'm like, well, what did other people have? And I actually was an exchange student in Japan right out of high school. And I started thinking about the little bento boxes I would, my host mom would make me and, um, I sort of thought, well, I'm going to call a couple stylists. We're going to do this test shoot and it'll be a nice back to school promo card I can send out. Um, so I interviewed a few people that I had in mind about um, what they had for school lunch. And so quickly it became so fascinating to me that I realized like I could not just send out a little card about this. Like, <laughs> so it became this ongoing um, collaboration with Martha Burnaby was the prop stylist in um and I also had a food stylist that I was working with that um, Christopher Barsh was that food stylist who, whenever we had the time, we would set up these shoots to do school lunch. And in the meantime, between shoots, I would do all the legwork of finding subjects, doing interviews, like really parsing it down to um, what their lunch story was so that we could recreate the photo of so it's adults remembering their childhood lunches. And I got people from 25 different countries and around the US and some celebrities and some uh, everybody that I could think of, somebody who grew up in the circus. I tried to get as diverse a selection as possible. And um, we had a lot of fun with it. And then I also did portraits of the people. And as it grew, I did start thinking this would be a great book. Um, I actually got a new agent for that. I mean, I still have Ashley, but I got a literary agent because Ashley is not a literary agent. She's a commercial agent who really helped me like put together my book proposal, shop it around. Um, and then once, once it was sold as a book, it definitely gained momentum in terms of me honing in on, okay, well, I don't have this type of person. I don't have that 
um, state represented yet. I don't have this story. Um, as well as trying to get some more big names now that I had an official book behind it. Um, so that was, it was super fun. And I'm, I'm so excited that it's going to be out in the world in the fall. And it was just a, a great journey and so many amazing stories. That's so awesome. Thank so you. who, um, who's publishing it? It's published by Running Press. Okay. Yep. And it comes out in the fall, which is perfect. Comes out August 3rd just okay. before everybody heads back to school. Nice, okay. I'm just making, I'm writing that down so I can remember for the show notes. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. I can't wait to see it. Um, yeah. And then before we completely wind up, we have to hear about the Gina Davis story. Oh, <laughs> yes. So I, <laughs> um, I grew up in Cooperstown, New York, which is upstate, small town. Nobody would have heard of except for it's the Baseball Hall of Fame um, supposedly, although it's contested home of baseball, there's some other town somewhere who says they're the real home of baseball, but I, I stay out of that. Um, <laughs> but because of that, they filmed the end of a league of their own in Cooperstown. And they just did a casting call for locals for extras. And because I have red hair, they pulled me and my brother aside and, uh, as, uh, family of Gina Davis and, you know, I was Kit's granddaughter was who, so Gina Davis's sister, Kit. So at the moment when they're old and they're walking into the hall of fame and I peer around the corner and I say, is that you grandma? <laughs> and that's, that's my big line. But funnily enough, I was uh, handed a camera and my job was to say that and then to take a picture of her in front of the uh, um, poster of her youth baseball uniform nice I love it foreshadowing <laughs> right right I love it well God it was so great to meet you Lucy and and thank you so much for sharing your story sure thing I think it's a good one and um I feel like we learned a lot and we really appreciate that will you share with everyone where they can see your work and how they can find you online sure sure my website is lucyshafer.com and it's Schaefer with all the letters s-c-h-a-e-f-f-e-r and um, my book also has its own website um schoollunchstories.com where you can see more um little peaks of Padma Lakshmi's lunch and George Foreman's lunch and Jacques Papin and um, some of the stories there and see where to order it and see events as well coming up, book signings awesome. and things like that. Awesome. And then you're on Instagram as well, right? At I'm on Schaefer. Instagram, also at Lucy Schaefer Perfect. with all the letters. Yeah. With all the letters, <laughs> right. Thanks everyone for tuning in. You can find us at focusonwomen.org. Make sure to subscribe and leave us a review. Check out some new things coming. Uh, we're looking for artist collective um, candidates. We're also always looking for people who wanna take over our Instagram. So please reach out and stay in touch. Thanks everybody. Keep your creative juices flowing. 